Hallelujah. Amen. Our theme for the year is GDP. Glory, dominion, and power. Glory, dominion, and power. And I realize that what is missing in the church of God today is his glory. What is missing in God's church today is his glory, his power, and his dominion. After the word, there's so much revelation, and we hear the word. But the manifestation of the power, the glory of God upon our lives, it is missing. But somehow, that is supposed to be the distinguishing mark of our God. One of the main distinguishing marks of our God is his glory. And you cannot encounter God and not encounter glory. And when you encounter glory, glory will wrap on you. Hallelujah. So it means, therefore, that there is something deeply missing in the body of Christ. Because if you look through scripture, any individual who encountered God in one way or the other, the internal transformation that was experienced was evident outside. Somehow the glory of God encompassed the person. And we see this in the scriptures right from the beginning to the end. We have Moses. Moses killed somebody in cold blood. But yet still, when he encountered God, he became a different man. We have people like Peter, who was a mere fisherman, uneducated. But it was testified of him. He said when they saw in Acts 4, we are told that when they saw the boldness of the people, they perceived that they had been with Jesus. Because these people were ordinary, uneducated folks. But the power, the strength, the boldness with which they spoke the word and the power they demonstrated was evident that these people had walked with Jesus. And when the people of Antioch saw the disciples, who were not even apostles amongst them, their lifestyle, the kind of glory that emanated from them, they said that these people must have been influenced by the man called Jesus. And so they nicknamed the people Christians. Even Stephen, he was not an apostle, but he was a disciple. The Bible says that the glory of God was so strong upon him. In Acts 6.15, just project that. The glory of God was so strong upon him that the council, the chief priests, the elders, when they saw him, his face was like an angel. His face was like an angel. Why? Because the glory of God was so strong in our lives. How come today a lot of us call ourselves Christians and believers and born again and don't talking, but we do not have a distinguishing factor? How come today somebody will say he's a believer and sometimes even a leader at church and when he walks amidst people, he works amongst people, individuals cannot pinpoint and say, ah, there's something different about this person. He must be a believer. How come? Where is that distinguishing factor? That distinguish the believers one after the other. Right down from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You cannot encounter God and not experience a transformation. You cannot encounter God for a portion of his glory not to rub on you. It, it is not possible. Because glory is caught. When you are with somebody, a part of his glory is seen on you. And you cannot, doesn't mean that in our day to day, people 
or believers who are added to the church, believers who come to Christ, do not actually have an encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. I have come to understand that there are even levels of glory. There are levels of glory depending on your level of relationship with your God. The higher you go, the deeper the relationship with God, the more the glory that wraps on you. So a a newborn again Christian will have a level of glory. But somebody who has been in God's face for hours, for months, seeking his face, will come out and the glory will be a higher level. If you read the, 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 the disciples, people who came in our, before us, the, 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 the um, missionaries and those ones that smoke vocals and the others, it was so that sometimes they'll go into prayer and they are so filled with God's glory. So as they walk past the hallway to go into the church to minister, just those who are in the hallway will begin to fall under the power. Because the glory was so much. So there are even levels of glory. But this, and somehow the Lord has opened my eyes to see the levels of glory. But I'm just going to touch about the first level. And the level that is available to all of us. This morning. As we look at this story. So the deeper your relationship, the deeper, the the higher, the more the glory that wraps you. You have come to realize that oftentimes we do not experience the glory of God. Because our worship of God is simply a lip service. And Jesus Christ himself said it clearly in Matthew 15, verse 8 to 9. He said that these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me. So the reason and the main reason why believers of today, we are unable to exude the glory of God in our lives is because our worship of God has become merely a lip service. We worship God with our lips. We raise our hands. We dance. But our hearts are really very far away from him. And I believe that in the scriptures that we read, we see a beautiful story of this woman who had an encounter with the Lord. In the story we just read, we read that this woman came. She was a woman, a sinner, well-known sinner in the town. Jesus Christ had been invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee, and this woman came uninvited. Those days we say she was a gate crusher. She came uninvited, and she came to the place. Jesus was sitting down, and she stood behind his feet. And Bible says that she began to cry and weep and weep, and then she began to, that the water that was coming from her eyes became like water. It was so much. It began to clean the feet of Jesus with that water. And then she began to wipe his, his feet with her hair. And then after that, she came with sweet perfume in a jug. And the Bible said that she poured that jug of perfume on the feet of Jesus. And then the, the disciples... The man said that, ah, this man, if you are really a prophet, then he will know who it is who is doing this to him. To, to him. And she, the, I, I like it because it was like he said to himself. He spoke it within himself. He didn't even utter it. He said it within himself. Ah, this man called Jesus. If he really were a prophet, 
Why would he stand and wait for this prostitute or whoever it is, this sinner, to come and do that? And Jesus Christ, being God, discerned what he was saying himself. And he said to him, Simon, I came to your house. You did not offer me water to wash my feet. But this woman has washed my feet. You did not anoint my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and she has cleaned it with her own hair. And then she has anointed my feet. And therefore I tell you that her many sins have been forgiven because she loved much. This morning, I believe this woman is a typical example of how the Lord wants us to relate with him. This scripture is not in the Bible for nothing. And I realize that you have this particular story severally in the Bible. And Bible tells us that in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given for us, for doctrine, for reproof, and for instruction into righteousness. So I believe that there's so much to glean from this scripture. And God would want us to glean something from this scripture. You know the story about the woman with the alabaster of oil? We have it severally in the Bible. I realize that we have it in Matthew, we have it in Mark, we have it in Luke, and we have it in John. There are a bit of variation with some of the stories. There are two main stories. One, he washed his feet, and one, he he anointed the feet, and the other one, the head. But there's a commonality running through all the four stories, all the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that commonality is that First and foremost, it was a woman who came to Jesus. Secondly, the woman came to Jesus with an alabaster, an alabaster. In all the four gospels, they mention the word an alabaster. And they say she came to Jesus with sweet, expensive perfume in the alabaster. And she poured that perfume on the feet of Jesus. And so my Holy Spirit, I asked the Holy Spirit, what is this woman? What is this alabaster? Why is it ringing throughout the four Gospels? And the Lord opened my eyes to see the levels of glory that he wants his people to experience when they come before him. And this morning I want to speak to you on catching his glory. Catching his glory. I was amazed when I saw the scripture. And of course, if it were a day, any of us would have been like Simon and would have questioned within us that, mm, this man, is he really a man of God? This known prostitute who is always standing by Mansfield Hotel. This, this known prostitute coming to him and doing this, and he just sits unconcerned somehow, and he seems to condone what she's doing. Maybe I would have done the same thing. Holier than now, people. Most of us sometimes become like that. But Christ was teaching us something profound. I believe that God was teaching us that what this woman was doing, it looked like it is kind of a love relationship that God wants us to have with him. 
So this moment, it was a woman, not a man. It was a woman who came and was doing this because she depicts the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with him. It's a kind of relationship, a love relationship. And when you look through scripture, you see that once again, it is from there, it's there, right from beginning to the end. In the book of Jeremiah, God refers to himself as a husband to the people of Israel. He said, I am a husband to them, even though they do not regard me. I am a husband to them. And when we come to the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians 5, the very popular scripture, Bible asks us that women, we should submit ourselves to our husbands as unto the Lord. And then he continues to say that this is a great ministry. Husbands, love your wives as yourself. And he said that this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So it means that basically marriage is supposed to give an imagery of the relationship that God wants us to have with him. It's a kind of a love relationship. It's not a kind of a, 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 a God and a, a deity and a, a, a subject relationship. No. It's a kind of a love relationship that God wants us to have with him. So in this scripture, God alludes to his love. He alludes his love for his people by using this kind of love relationship, you know, we see running through scripture. And I believe that the main reason why God uses the story of the Alabasta woman in all the four Gospels, the main reason why the Holy Spirit impressed upon the writers of the Gospel to include this story in all the four Gospels because in it is a secret. In it is a secret for us to unravel as to how to catch his glory. And this morning, we want to look at the story again and again and glean some lessons in there for us and see how the Lord will help us to be able to apply this to our lives. Bible says that there was a woman, and I like it said that a woman in the city, a sinner. Bible did not give her a name. There was no name mentioned. It said a woman in the city. A woman in the city. Which presupposes that any uh, the fact that she was unnamed means that it can be you and it can be I. Anybody at all can come to the Father. Anybody at all is a candidate for a relationship with God. He said, an unnamed woman. God was careful to make sure no name was put there. So that you and I can identify with that person. So she was unnamed. Anybody and everybody. Bible said that, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If anyone hears me and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. Anybody is a candidate for a relationship with our father. And then it says that it wasn't just any, any man at all. It wasn't a man. It was an unnamed woman. He said, a woman, a sinner. Why a woman? In the Jewish society, and even in our day-to-day, women belong to the vulnerable, vulnerable class. A woman, more or less, 
is a disadvantaged position. So in those days in the Jewish culture, when they count people, they won't count the women. They will count the men. They say, oh, there were 10,000 minus the women and the children. That is how women were regarded. So for a woman to be the one to come to Jesus was once again a point that God was making to us. I believe that God was saying that when we come to him, we should be vulnerable. When we come to him, we should just be as we are. When we come to him, no, the vulnerable, a vulnerable person is like a child, simply trusting, very innocent, just as a person. Whatever you tell the person, whatever you tell the child, the child believes you just as it is. If you tell the child that when you jump from here, I'll hold you because you're the father he believes you, he will just jump from there, believing that you will hold on to him. So when we come to the Lord, the Lord expects us to be like children. We have to have a humble heart. And Christ said it himself that unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 18. So we need to come to God and we ought to be like children. We ought to be like children, vulnerable. We should just come as we are. Believing him for what he has said. Not analyzing too much with our minds what we think should be. But just believing him and what he has said. And saying that he will do what he has said. And so we ought to come to him like a child. And then again we are told that she was a sinner. And she came openly to Christ. Not like Nicodemus. Nicodemus wanted Jesus Christ. He admired Jesus Christ. But he came to Jesus Christ at night. Because he didn't want people to assume or to get to know that this religious ruler, this man who knows the scriptures, he's also beginning to follow after Jesus. But this woman, she wasn't even a religious leader. She was a sinner and a well-known sinner. But she chose to come to Jesus in the daytime, openly. And the Lord is saying that when we come to him, let us come to him openly. Let us us not hide our connection with him. Let us not desire to let people not know that we are a Christian. So we go to him alone. And when it's an open thing, we don't disclose our identity as believers. No. In the open, in the public... You and I, if we really want to catch the glory of God, we ought to be, one of the things we ought to do is to be able to open ourselves and make people identify us as one of his own. One of his own. Don't be shy. Don't, don't be shy. Don't, 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 don't lock down. Don't be afraid they'll scorn you. No, 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 no. Come openly and let people identify you as one of his own. And we are told again that she was uninvited. The woman was uninvited. And that makes a very profound voice. You know, wherever Jesus is, it's ideal time. You don't need any invitation. Wherever the presence of God is, you are welcome to be there. He said, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. No matter where, so long as God is there, you are welcome there. You don't need to be invited to go into God's presence. You can go into God's presence. God is everywhere. You can decide to bring his, his presence at the workplace. I remember when I was in the corporate world. At a point in time, it was so difficult 
to even get time to pray. I leave the house in the morning. I go to work. I get home back from work. I do my house duties early in the morning. Do all the house my, my house and wifey duties, and then in the morning I have to leave for work. And sometimes you can't even pray before leaving for work. And I go to the office and I haven't really prayed. So what do I do? Sometimes what do I do? I just sometimes I'll, those times the top floor was not had not been given out. I remember I go up there, and when the place is when the office is quiet, there's somebody there. I just say I'm coming. I'll go up there and I'll go and pray small. At a point in time, the top floor was occupied. So my prayer, my prayer place had been taken. So what do I do again? So when I realized that, okay, when I come to work, I'll pack my car in a corner. Corner. So I'll leave my bag in the office. When there are people in the office, I'm coming. And I'll go and sit in my car in a corner and be praying. Everywhere is ideal time. Wherever God is. You can find him. Hallelujah. There's no, it doesn't have to be a particular church setting before you come and kneel and worship. You can worship anywhere at all. Anywhere at all is an ideal place for you to worship. And that is what is wanted. He said, I'm not going to wait and go to the snuggle. No. I'm not going to wait till he's sitting at the tree with his disciples. No. I'm going to go right there and invite it. There he's sitting and I'm going to commune with him. So we, you and I, should understand that any time at all is ideal time. So that whoever comes to him, he will in no wise cast out. And I like this mom for one particular thing. I realized that she was focused. Because when she went there, Jesus Christ was not teaching per se. He was reclining with Simon. But she went there and she realized that it was a dinner that Christ had gone to. But she did not go there to go and die. She went there to commune with him. She went there to have fellowship with him. She went there because she knew that this man that they speak so much about, that I've heard so much about, I'm rejected by society. But somehow I know that if I go to this man, he's not going to reject me. If I go to this man, somehow I'll find the peace I've been searching for that seems to elude me. If I go to this man, somehow I'll find some kind of joy that all the activities I have been engaged in that don't seem to even give to me. She knew that there was something that she could, she, she, she could get from Jesus Christ. So she went there and she was just focused. Bible said she set her, it was like she set her face like a flint. And I realized that, look, if you want to really catch the glory, if you want the glory of God to rub on you, as you love him, as you worship him, as you commune with him, as you relate with him, you ought to also set your face like a flint. Because there are many things that will call for your attention. There are many distractions. And I like that scripture in Isaiah 50 verse 7 and 8. He said, for the Lord will help me. Therefore, I will not be as great disgrace. I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. When you set your face like a flint, what does it mean? It means that you are likely to fit a position. So you have poised in such a way that you will not yield to the position. You are poised in such a way that you will not yield to whatever seems to confront you. You are expecting opposition, and so you regard whatever thing you are doing as worthy, worthwhile, worthy of what you are doing. So to regard these difficulties as worthwhile when you consider what it will lead you to. So when you are serving the Lord and there is opposition, 
you ought to set your face like a flint and realize that, look, I ought to live my life here on earth with my mind on eternity. So even though I look some way, it doesn't matter. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I remember those days again in the corporate world. And there's a lot of things I learned in the corporate world. Sometimes what's amazing, the day that your church is fasting, or you are fasting, that is when temptation will come. I remember we were we relocating to a new place. We used to have site meetings. So the, the, we had, my, mind, my boss would come from Accra. We'd have a site meeting with the contractor of the place every now and then. And after the site meeting, lunch. Ah, what's good, you know? Lunch at the best Chinese restaurant in the city. I, the first day it happened, I think I was doing a corporate fast. So I said, oh, I said, oh, Pearl, let's go, let's go. And I said, oh, I said, oh why? I, said, I have to do something in the office. There's nothing. Your boss has come from my cry. He says, go and eat. What else are you doing? Yeah, there's nothing to do in the office. But I said, Let me, I have to do something in the office. I left. And at that time, they came. Anytime they come, somehow, either the church is fasting or I'm doing a personal fast. I said, what is all this? What is all this? But still, I had to do what? Set my face like a flint. So I said, oh, I said, hey, that's for Pearl. Sometimes I'll actually even go there and I'll just take water or a drink. Because sometimes the meeting will continue there, so I have to be there. And I'll just take water and drink. I had set my face like a flint. And you also, as you go about wherever you find yourself in your worship of God, if you want the glory of God to rub upon you, you ought to set your face like a flint. You ought to set your face like a flint. Any time is ideal time. When you come to, when you even come to, sometimes when you come to church, it's even possible to be here in church, but your mind is far away. Sometimes we come to church and we are even involved, so much involved with the activities of the church and not the presence of the person we are serving. So when you come to church, as, even as you sit behind there with a projector, as you sit behind there with the instruments, your heart should be worshipping. Hallelujah. You should not be distanced at all. Can I have the keyboard behind for me, please? You should not be distanced at all. And Bible says that she stood behind his feet. You know, for a long time, when I read the scripture, somehow in my mind, I, I thought she sat at his feet. So yesterday I was reading again, and I said, ah, she stood at his feet. So I went back to the other scripture in the other gospel, and I read that like, it wasn't sitting at her feet, his feet. It was standing at his feet. So I said, wow. How can you stand at the feet, you know, and then, and then be worshipping, so to speak. And the Lord just said to me that, is that why you, are always, you often sit down when you are worshipping? Because you thought the woman sat. And I said, Lord, forgive me. You don't, you don't sit and worship. The Lord said to me, you stand. You stand. You stand. You stand. You don't sit and worship a king. You stand and you worship him. Woman stood behind his feet. And I was wondering because if you read Jewish culture, oftentimes it's the lowest of the servants who are made to wash the feet of the guest. And the servant is made to stand by the king. But this woman decided to stand behind his feet. She said that I'm not even worthy to even wash your feet. I won't even position myself the place where they ought to. I will just be there. Just in case 
I'm not wanted, I can just go back slightly. But this woman just stood. And the more she stood and she washed his feet. Because Bible, I mean the Jewish culture, the position you stand and the way the guest sits, it is possible to stand and wash the feet of the person. The, the, the seats were not like our present seats. They were designed in a way that servants could stand and then wash the feet of the person. And so this woman stood and then she washed his feet. And so I was saying that, ah, what does it mean to stand at his feet? And I learned that actually when you say stand at his feet, it's an expression which means to wait upon. So in effect, this woman standing at the feet behind the feet of Jesus, what was she doing? She was waiting upon the Lord. And one of the key ways to catch the glory is to wait upon the Lord. Ah, you cannot catch the glory without waiting upon the Lord. You cannot. Bible says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah 40, 31. You cannot catch the glory of God without waiting upon the Lord. This woman was waiting upon the Lord. She was having a me time with the Lord. And this is the first level of intimacy. When you and I wait upon the Lord, what do we do? We come before the Lord. We study his word. We stand before his presence like we are doing this morning. We worship him. We sing songs of worship. And we say to him, that, I have no other God but you. 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 When you stand and wait upon the Lord, it's like you saying to him that you were Alpha singing. She was probably singing herself. She was just uttering words of worship and adoration to the one who was accepting her just as she was before him. Even amidst people, Jesus Christ was accepting her just the way she was. And she was awed with his love. She was awed with his presence. And she was just expressing this love to him. And Bible tells us that she was weeping. She was weeping. She was weeping. She was weeping. And one of the greatest ways of worship is weeping. When you cry out your heart to the Lord, when you are worshiping and you are weeping, it's an outburst of your heart. It's like sometimes you don't even know what you say. So your heart is just speaking out. And you are crying and you are crying and you are crying. And your heart is just communicating with God with the tears that are running down your face. And this one was weeping so much that it was enough like water to even wash the feet of Jesus Christ. And Bible says that she wept. And then she washed his feet with her tears. Ah, and then she wiped, she wiped her feet with her hair, with her own hair. Bible 
says the woman's hair is her glory. But this woman was not wearing a wig. This woman had her own hair. And she used her own hair. And she wiped the feet of Jesus. The dead. She was, she was just there. The Father, I don't have any glory of my own. There is nothing I can call my own. Your, my glory is your, your, your glory is my glory. You have made me. It is you who have given me acceptance. Without you, I have nothing. Therefore, I cast my crowns before you, Lord. I cast my crowns before you, Lord. Without you, I have nothing. Father, just take me as I am. And that was what she was saying to the Lord. As she was wiping his feet with her hair. And she was wiping, and she was wiping, and she was wiping, and she was wiping, and she was crying, and she was wiping, and she was singing to the Lord in her heart. And she was wiping, and she was worshipping, and she was crying, and she was worshipping, and she was singing, and she was crying, and she was worshipping, and she was showing love to the Lord. So the expression I love to the Lord, and she was saying to him, Oh Lord, I love you, 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 I love you from my heart, I love you, Lord, I love you, I love you for who you are, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, oh, but I tell you, I'm not She was worshipping and she was worshipping the Bible tells us that she came to the Lord with an with an alabaster of expensive oil expensive perfume ice expensive perfume expensive perfume expensive perfume David said I will not give to the Lord anything that will not cost me when you come before the Lord in worship, give him something that will cost you. Give him your time. Give him your heart. Give him something that will cost you. Because you cannot worship the Lord effectively without giving him something that will cost you. Give him something that will cost you. I am a sake. But the part I love the most, the Bible says that she came to the Lord. That expensive perfume was not an ordinary container. Bible says that it was an alabaster container. Lower the volume. Lower the volume. Bible says that it was an alabaster. Alabaster. And this word alabaster, this jack is the same jack that we find in all the four gospels. She came to the Lord with an alabaster of expensive perfume. An alabaster of expensive perfume. And I was asking the Lord, what does it mean? And the Lord said, look and I will tell you. I said, alabaster, alabaster, let me just read it. An alabaster flask, an alabaster is a mineral or rock that is soft. And it is used for carving. It is a mineral or a rock that is soft and is used for carving. It is a semi-transparent element. It is an expensive mineral, which is mined. Much of the alabaster that is mined cannot be used. The others are cut off. So the part of the alabaster that can be used is only the translucent stone which is in it. And that is often used for lightning. And the Lord whispered to me and said, Only the transparent ones, the translucent and translucent means semi-transparent that is used that is the only one used and it can be used for lightning 
And God said that all the women came with an alabaster. Because the alabaster represents you. The alabaster represents me. You, you, you come to God with your alabaster. So it was such a, it's a semi-transparent mineral. Soft, semi-transparent, but it's expensive. You cannot come to God without a clear heart. You cannot come to God without a transparent soul. When you come to God, you should rid yourself of every disguise. You should rid yourself of every pretense. When you come to God, you should let him know just as you are. Tell him, Father, I am a sinner. Father, tell him, Father, I fornicate, Lord. That is my problem. Oh, Lord, help me. Father, I lie. Oh, Lord, help me. Father, when things are there, I just take it. What do not belong to me? Help me, Lord. Father, I work in the office and I'm tempted to change the figures. Oh, Lord, that is my weakness. Father, help me. Help me, Lord. You come to the Lord and you come with your alabaster. It is semi-transparent. It is translucent. You can't come to God without your alabaster. You cannot have the glory of God rub on you without your alabaster. Bible says that the alabaster is a soft mineral, which means that you must be soft. You must be malleable. God should be able to mold you. God should be able to change you. God should be able to make you the kind of person that you are, that he wants you to be. You cannot come to God with a hardened heart. You cannot come to God with your heart hardened. You should have a soft, tender heart. You should tell the Lord, Father, make me, make me the kind of person that you want me to be, Lord. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That is the alabaster. You cannot come to God without your alabaster. You ought to come to God with your own alabaster. I have my alabaster. You have your alabaster. Don't come to God with any container. Any container will be opaque. Alabaster is clear. It is transparent. You cannot bring expensive perfume in an opaque container. It is not acceptable. The expensive perfume must be in a semi-transparent container. It should be in a translucent container. It should be in an alabaster. Hallelujah. You must be in an alabaster. Your heart. Your heart. You cannot be a partaker of God's glory without your alabaster. You cannot. You cannot. And that is the first stage of glory. When you come to the Lord with your alabaster. When you come to the Lord with your alabaster. And in that alabaster is expensive perfume. Oh, the Lord will receive it. The Lord will turn your many sins away. He will forgive your many sins. The glory of the Lord will begin to rub on you. Because you have been in his presence. Because you have come before him with your alabaster. Because you have come before him void, void of deceit. Void of, 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 of deceit of anything of pretenses you have come to him just as you are and have made him aware that father I've come to you because I know that when I come to you you are able to change me and make me who you want me to be the alabaster represents you alabaster represents me when you present yourself to God ah with your alabaster oh his glory will wrap on you in the name of Jesus this morning I came to tell you that you cannot present expensive perfume to God in an opaque container you cannot sacrifice your time you cannot not sacrifice your money and resources and wealth to God 
with an insincere heart or when you are walking in your seat, I came to tell you that you must come to God with your own alabaster. You must come to God with your own alabaster. You must come to God with your own alabaster. Because that is how he wants us to come to him. And when you come to him with your own alabaster, ah, his glory will come upon you. His glory will rub upon you. A measure of his glory will come upon you. And this glory is available to all. You only have to come to him with your alabaster. 